0: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. I am Garrett Bahanna, joined as always by Jim Rixner himself, Hooks or Pick. Hooks, how are you doing tonight?
1: Doing great. The regular season's here. Hello to everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Can't wait to get into it.
0: And uh, Jim, yeah, let's dive straight into it. We have some good stuff to talk about on this episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. And uh, I, I think that the biggest piece of news um, as it relates to the season opener coming up on Thursday is uh, the injury status of Sidney Crosby, Alex Galchenyuk, and Brian Rust. Those are the three uh, main players who I think fans are most interested in hearing about. And um, I believe there is some, pretty, there's some good news and bad news, I guess you could say. Uh, I'll start off with Sidney Crosby. I think uh, as, of, uh, as of Wednesday, he was in practice centering that first line. Uh, So I don't believe, I believe they held him out in the final preseason game against the Buffalo Sabres for precautionary reasons. I don't think there's anything really to worry about uh, in terms of Crosby's injury. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, from what I have read, uh, will be a game time decision for Thursday night's matchup season opener against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, And Brian Rust has officially been placed on long-term injured reserve, uh, dealing with an injury that he suffered in the final preseason game against the Buffalo Sabres as well. So, Jimmy, looking at these three injuries here, Crosby looks good to go. Galchenyuk shouldn't be too much longer till we see him at full health and Rust on LTIR. Uh, What do you make of these three injuries? How detrimental will Rust's absence be? and uh, how comforting is it to know that Crosby and Galchenyuk look to be good to go to start the season
1: the first thing that always jumps out of course is Sidney Crosby's status and it looked like I think he just caught a shot in his lower leg in the Buffalo game and they held him out held him out of practice on Sunday and Monday and then he was right back into it after that so um Coach Sullivan did say on Wednesday that he's good to go for tonight's regular season home opener against the Sabres. So that's awesome. I'm I'm guessing it was just a little bruise. And since it's preseason, no reason for him to keep playing the Galchenyuk stuff. He skated with Evgeny Malkin yesterday in practice. So I would think he's in Sullivan did say game time decision. But that kind of sounded like let's just make sure that he's good to go for tomorrow and nothing feels bad when he when he wakes up. On Thursday so hopefully Galchenyuk also will be good to go for the start of the regular season and the Brian Rustoff that that hurts because that's a guy who can play on any line really he'll add speed to any line has some good hands will drive to the net can be kind of defensive conscious for a line and they were working him with Malkin, so I think that that's going to be bad, especially with the long-term injured reserve. He's got to be out 10 games, so his season won't start until October 26th at least, so that's a few weeks that the Pens are going to have to be without him, and that'll be their challenge, I guess, because he's a good depth player that can do a bit of everything, and that's, that's going to be missing from the lineup, and especially with his speed, I think we'll notice that.
0: Yeah, and... I think uh, diving into this next subject here, but before that, I, looking at the the practice lines that were released uh, yesterday, ahead of yesterday's practice, uh, Gensel was with Sidney Crosby uh, as a regular. You'll, you'll probably see that as a constant. Patrick Hornquist was taking rushes with Crosby and Gensel on that first line, which is interesting. Galchenyuk slotted with Malkin. You'll probably see that a lot, especially early on in the season. Uh, Brandon Tanev Uh, also being slotted in that top six. Looks like he's going to at least start out this season uh, with Evgeny Malkin and Alex Galchenyuk on that second line. Uh, So it looks like his preseason play and where Mike Sullivan slotted him was no fluke. It looks like he will start out in the top six. Um, Jared McCann, Nick Bukestad will be on that third line with Dominic Cahoon, uh, Zach Aston-Reese, Teddy Blueger, Dominic Simone round out the forward grouping in the bottom six. And um, overall, you know, no really big surprises there in the forward group. Uh, But going into the defense, uh, the defense is where I wanted to take the next subject here. And unfortunately, Jim, uh, Jack Johnson is still with the Pittsburgh Penguins after rumblings came out over the last week that Jack Johnson would be traded to get the Penguins under the salary cap. Uh, Jack Johnson is still with the team. And as of practice lines yesterday, he is slotted with Justin Schultz on that second pairing. Uh, Jim, I I don't like this at all. We've talked about this. Uh, at length in, in previous episodes of the podcast going back to last year when Johnson was paired with Schultz. Uh, the pairing really had a terrible, terrible success. It didn't work out at all. Um, I, I don't know why Mike Sullivan is going back to the Johnson Schultz. Well, uh, especially in preseason when, in, when uh, Marcus Pedersen was aligned with Justin Schultz throughout the majority of that time. So I don't know if, if, Jim Rutherford and company just want Jack Johnson to try and display a little bit of trade value. And I guess that's where we'll go talking a little bit later uh with the, the 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 trade that never came to fruition regarding Jack Johnson. But Jim, looking at these defense pairings, this has to be the biggest question mark heading into the regular season.
1: It certainly is. And to your point of like why why is Mike Sullivan putting jack johnson with justin schultz after what happened last year and it it was a disaster last year but if you look at it from sullivan's perspective i I suppose the only thing you can think of is well what else are you gonna do are you gonna are you gonna put jack johnson with erica branson that could be an even worse pair but it is certainly surprising especially like you mentioned justin schultz and Pedersen were so good in preseason they look like a a bona fide second pair you know they both can skate they both can move the puck so i mean that that looked like that was going to be a great a great idea for the pens but unfortunately it doesn't look like they're going that way right off the bat i suppose we'll see how it goes because you would have to think i mean right now the penguins have nine healthy defensemen which is almost unheard of why are they carrying so many defensemen why is john marino on the team if he's going to be healthy scratch that doesn't make a lot of sense and they also have you Ricola, Cha Ru riedel they, I mean, they have so much depth that they're not even using. So, I mean, that that leads me to believe that something's going on here. You don't keep nine defensemen unless you're maybe looking to trade once at some point soon. So, yeah, to your end, maybe maybe they're showcasing Johnson just to see what he can do for a trade. But he's been in the league 12 years. I have to imagine the other GMs around, they know what he can do. They know what he can't do. Either you like him or you don't. And with his contract, especially for four more years, I don't think a lot of people like him you look around the league and Thomas Hickey from the Islanders got waived and he went unclaimed and Hickey only has three years left at a salary of 2.5 million. And he's actually a pretty solid defensive defenseman. Like I would think if you needed a defensive defenseman, Thomas Hickey, he's younger than Jack Johnson. He makes less money. He has less years. Like that would be a guy you could get for free. So I think that kind of tells you right now, not too many teams around the league really want a defensive defenseman and then probably on top of that, a lot of them look at the four years Jack Johnson has left and think, "Oh, we don't we don't want anything to do with this guy."
0: There are definitely a lot of red flags as it pertains to Jack Johnson and his trade value, and this is pure speculation on my part. Um, nothing has been confirmed at all about this, but I'm wondering if because. Where there's, you have to think, Jim. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, Josh Yowie from the Pittsburgh chapter of the, of the Athletic was reporting that a Johnson trade was 75 to 80 percent likely within the 48 hour time period before the Penguins had to become salary cap compliant. And even on a national level, TSN's Darren Dreger was, I mean, he was even adding fuel to this trade fire as well with Jack Johnson. And so this is pure speculation on my part, but I'm wondering. If Brian Brian Rust was a potential sweetener that uh, a trade partner for the Penguins, that taking on Rust and Johnson, even though that's a combined six point five to seven million dollars in salary, and we kind of talked about that on last week's episode, um, not a lot of teams have a lot of salary to just dish around at this current moment. But uh, you have to wonder, was or could Brian Rust been been that sweetener? that could have been added to a potential Jack Johnson trade that all of a sudden was just wiped off the table now with uh, dealing with Brian Rust's long-term injury.
1: Yeah, that could be the case too and that could be a reason why a trade possibility just seemed to disappear out of nowhere if another team wanted Rust and then suddenly he's hurt that that takes the wind out of that. And I saw a lot of fans kind of jumping on Josh Ewey for his report, you know, since he did say 48 hours, he put a very definite timeline on it. But he said 75 to 80 percent chance, which means a 20 to 25 percent chance it's not going to happen, which is a pretty big chance that it wouldn't happen. And unfortunately, I know everyone got very excited for the day Jack Johnson would not be a Pittsburgh Penguin, and that didn't come to pass, unfortunately, but. Um, like you mentioned, where there's smoke, there's fire. Darren Dreger's reporting it. And again, just to go back to what I said, no one keeps nine defensemen healthy on your NHL team when you can only have a max roster of 23. Something isn't right. Something either fell through or or they're still working on to this minute. And I mean, Jim Rutherford kind of went out and, and bashed the reporting on that a little bit. But that's in his best interest to do right now. We can all go back this summer. Jim Rutherford said he wasn't going to trade Phil Kessel, or he didn't think he'd be able to. And then a week or two later, he traded Phil Kessel. So Jim Rutherford has to hold his line until the deal is done that he wants to get done. And I think we all know about Jim Rutherford when he tries to do something. You know, he's he's very active guy. So I think with you, if you look at the Jack Johnson reports of they wanted to send him to Minnesota earlier the summer. There, all these reports of a trade could be imminent. I think it's adding up that they're looking for every avenue they can to get rid of them, but it's just obviously going to take a little more time than we all hoped.
0: It will. It will definitely be an interesting development to watch over the first couple of weeks of the season as we monitor Brian Russ status when he comes off of long-term injured reserve to see if anything else kicks into gear regarding a Jack Johnson trade. But shifting gears now. Uh, with the regular season opener for the Penguins just mere hours away. uh, Jim, we're going to do some Penguins team predictions here. And uh, what I'd like to do in this segment is, even though it's hard to predict an uh, an 82-game season and an overall record for the Penguins, we're going to try and see roughly how many wins we're going to predict that the Penguins will get by season's end. And also what I'd like to do is, um, look at the top stars of the team because obviously if this team has any chance of Stanley Cup uh, winning the Stanley Cup which obviously they do in what is now the twilight of Crosby and Malkin's career they're going to need these stars to stay healthy so we're going to look at guys like Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin Jake Gensel Chris Latang, and uh, Matt Murray you know, really the core of this team and we're going to look and see we're going to predict some stats and we're going to see you know Maybe we'll reflect at season's end to see just how well we did in the stat department. Um, but looking at the overall record, I think it's fair to say that the Penguins will win anywhere from forty—I'm going to say forty-two to forty-six games. I think getting—you know—getting over five hundred, forty-one wins over that five hundred mark, you're almost a lock to get in playoff positioning. I think 42 to 46 wins is something that, you know, we've been accustomed to in the Crosby Malkin era, nothing too out of the ordinary, assuming everybody is healthy, but it's also interesting to look because of the emergence of other teams in the metropolitan division, which is going to make competing for that playoff spot in the Metro uh, much more difficult looking at the Carolina hurricanes and the New Jersey devils. So I'm sticking with 42 to 46 wins for the Penguins uh, by season's end. Uh, I think Sidney Crosby will finish with, I'll say, I, I know five, a five point gap is, is quite large, but I'm going to say anywhere from 95 to 100 points. Uh, I, I think, I think, I, if I remember correctly, Crosby topped the 100 point mark for the first time last season since 2013-2014, if memory serves. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, I think Evgeny Malkin will, I, I think Evgeny Malkin will rebound quite nicely, uh, Jim. Let's get your thoughts on Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin seems to be that big question mark. No one knows what's going to happen with Evgeny Malkin. Will he have a Will he have a bounce back year? So, Jim, let's get your opinion on where you think Evgeny Malkin will slot in uh, at season's end.
1: Yeah, um, I know he's really focused, but he also just turned thirty three years old. Hopefully, he can stay healthy this time around um so i got him penciled in for about 80 points hopefully that means playing about 70 games or so i i always just tend to think he will miss a few along the way just because that that seems to be how it goes for him but i think that would be a good year if he can get about you know 30 35 goals and about 45 45 assists 40 assists or so that'd be really good and help the team out um going back to what you were saying for wins, your prediction of 42 to 46, I think that would be a little low. If you look at the Mike Sullivan era where he's coached full years, they won 50 games in 2016-17, 47 games in 2017-18, and 44 games last year. So that's a declining trend, 50, 47, 44. Hopefully that doesn't decline anymore. I would think hopefully they get 45 to 48 to be optimistic if everyone stays healthy but of course you know injuries can derail that especially I think if Matt Murray goes down again and um, to go back to what we were saying for Sidney Crosby I like what you're saying I, I think he's gonna compete again for the scoring title with Gensel on his side and the power play clicking good. And I think with Kessel gone, the power play will run more through Crosby. So that's an opportunity for him to get more points. I like him to try to flirt with the 100 point mark again and be right there for like MVP and scoring title talk.
0: And flipping over to Jake Gensel, as you just mentioned, he will probably consistently be on Sidney Crosby's line. Really, last year was the first year where really we could confidently say that Jake Gensel was no fluke. And I didn't believe that from the moment he was recalled. I think he had long-term prospects of being very, very successful at the NHL level. I'm not sure I'm not sure what to predict for Jake Gensel. I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with 35 goals for Jake Gensel. Um and yeah. I think I think 35 is reasonable. I don't think he's going to hit 50 as some people are predicting. Um I think 50 goal scorers in the NHL are incredibly rare these days. I'm going to go with 35 goals since goal scoring seems to be uh, the hallmark of Jake Ensel's game. So, Jimmy, uh, where do you stand on the number of goals Jake Ensel will score this year?
1: I think 35 is right in the sweet spot, so I'll agree with you there. Uh, Gensel was playing first power play Wednesday at practice, so that could be good for his numbers, getting up there on the spot that Phil left. Um, But Gensel also scored, I think, 33 even strength goals last year, which is just an incredibly high number, and you have to stay healthy all year to to do that as well so maybe he doesn't get quite the luck of of finishing that he did last time around but you know he's going to get the passes from Sid and and get all the opportunities so Gensel's definitely no fluke I like him going well north of 30 probably around the 35 36 mark
0: and uh, Chris Letang obviously the best defenseman that the Penguins have at the moment last year he finished with uh, 56 points in 65 games played. Now, Chris Letang is obviously a big question mark. Can he play the majority of an NHL schedule uh, dealing with his prominent injury history? I'll say that Chris Letang will finish, assuming that he's healthy, I I think he'll flirt with 60 to 65 points, 56 last year in 65 games. Uh, in the 2017, 2018 campaign, he played 79 games and finished with 51 points. Assuming he's healthy and properly running the power play, I'll give him a little bit of a boost. I'll say he finishes within the 60 to 65 point range. Jim, what about you?
1: That would be great if he can do that. Um, I'm probably putting him at the 60 to 65 game mark, kind of like Malkin. I always just assume Latang's going to miss about 15 to 20 games just because of his injury situation. And um, I like him to score north of 50 points still. I think it'll be kind of similar to last season where – Last season, he actually scored a lot of goals with 16. That's always tough for a defenseman to reliably score a lot of goals. But like you mentioned with the power play, that's definitely going to feed his numbers and he'll rack up the assists no matter what. So I like LeTang for a really good season when he plays. And let's just hope, I guess, that he's able to play the majority, if not all the games, which would be great.
0: And lastly, we'll round out with goaltender Matt Murray, obviously the cornerstone in net. Uh, Again, it's another question mark. as it was with Chris Letang, it will be for Matt Murray. His health, long-term, uh, long-term injury status. We'll see if he can play um, fifty to sixty games. You know, no, no one in the NHL is really playing seventy to seventy-five games anymore. If he, if Matt Murray can play fifty fifty to sixty games, that, that that's I think that's pretty large leeway. If he can play fifty to sixty games, I, I think the Penguins have a really nice shot of remaining in contention um, and looking at the unknown that is uh, that is Tristan Jari. Now the, now who is the backup netminder, really an unknown at the NHL level. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he can take some of the load off of Matt Murray's uh, plate. Uh, But with Murray finishing with 29 wins and 50 games played last year, I, I think 30 to 35 wins provided he's healthy. Again, another question mark for Matt Murray and his injury, uh, injury status, given his career at the NHL level, 30 to 35 wins and 55 to 60 games played. I would take that as a successful season for Matt Murray. How about you?
1: That would be successful. And given how much you've you've gone on the Matt Murray Hill, I'm I actually have. kind of surprised that's all you, you said, because I'm going even bigger than that. This is a contract year for Matt Murray. I think he's going to be dialed in and focused as he was the second half of last season where I think he had the second or third best save percentage in the whole league from like December on. So I think Matt Murray is going to be off the charts this year. I think he has a lot to prove as far as his contract situation goes that he that he wants to get squared away. And uh, usually when he's been focused and dialed in like that, he does well. So I see north of 35 wins. I see like a 920 save percentage that gets him. I'm I'm not gonna say in the Vesna finalist for sure, but he should be in the conversation at least to get a nomination for that, I think, if he plays like he should. So um I'm very bullish on Matt Murray. I've I've kind of just said like reasonable scenarios for a lot of these. Like, oh, he'll probably miss some games, and Matt Murray could too. I mean, we all we all have seen that before. But like you mentioned too, with the backup goalie situation, maybe this is a year where Mike Sullivan rides him a little more. I think their back. Their back-to-back games are up a bit this year, but I think it's like sixteen or seventeen of them. So it's not like the schedule is so strenuous that you can't play Murray a lot if he's healthy and ready to go. And that's something else we saw down the stretch last year too, where. I think they played on what, like the last 17 or 18 games in a row, they pretty much rode Matt Murray down the stretch the entire time, and I think that they will want to do that again, especially if he's playing well.
0: Agreed. I, I think you brought up a perfect point, too, in the contract year for Matt Murray. I think Jim Rutherford and company want to reward Matt Murray after this bridge deal expires. Provided, you know, th- this is it. This is his statement here. Let's see what he can do if he's healthy. Uh, but we will go into our mailbag segment uh, right about now. We had a very successful mailbag segment on last week's show, so we're doing it again this time around. And Jimmy, our first question goes to you from Sammy Bagel Jr., who is becoming, uh, becoming a staple here in the mailbag, even though we're only two weeks in. But he writes, with, with Casey DeSmith's unfortunate departure now being in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton after being waived, do you see Tristan Jari being a reasonable backup? Uh, General Manager Jim Rutherford said the goalie market was heating up, but he could not find a viable trade option for him, even with a low pick. So are, are, are we hopeful that Tristan Jari can show his worth at the NHL level? I'm not so sure, but Jim, what do you think?
1: I mean, I guess hopeful is all we have to be right now. Uh, Jari doesn't have a good track record, but the Penguins drafted him in the second round six years ago. They have a lot invested in him. They have a lot of time. He's been in their minor league system for a while. So I can see how like, you get to know the kid, and they obviously know he has the size and athleticism to be at least a backup goalie in the NHL. So I kind of think that this is his last chance um, just to show that, to really get the opportunity to say, okay, Sink or swim? What's it going to be? As far as the goalie trade market, I mean, there I don't think there is one. I think that was Rutherford talking it up because everyone in the league knew that the Penguins had three good goalies, and one of them they would have to waive to fit under the salary cap and just to get down to two, two goalies. And uh, I mean, you didn't see a lot of goalies get traded. I know Arizona claimed Eric Comrie from Winnipeg off of waivers, but in that situation, I I don't think the Peng- I think the Penguins were just at the point where you know, they they knew if they waived Tristan Jari, chances are he's not going to clear waivers because he's young, he's promising, he has potential, and he only has one year left on his contract. So it's pretty much no risk for another team to try him out. And I don't think the Pens wanted another team to try him out. Obviously, they wanted to try him out and see what he has. And then, you know, if he doesn't do well, I would expect him to probably get waived. And then we'll see Casey DeSmith come back. Our next question comes to us from Sydney Cup Cup aka Jeff, who asks us, do you think the price on Johnson was too steep for Jr. to pay on a trade? The best option now is to save that $1.075 million on the salary cap and bury him in Wilkes-Barre, right? Because obviously he won't be claimed when waived.
0: Now that we basically know Jack Johnson's status for the season opener tonight, him very, very likely being in uh, the top six, possibly even in the top four with Jack, uh, with uh, Justin Schultz. And we talked about that earlier on in the show. I mean, there are a ton of red flags when it comes to Jack Johnson's contract, the four years remaining at 3.5 or 3.25. Uh, a, a lot of teams obviously really are, are taking a steep risk on that. You'd really have to fool a general manager into thinking that, you know, Johnson's a veteran presence and veteran leadership. And his defensive capabilities aren't all—they're uh, they're not all depleted uh, at this point in his career at 32 years old. Uh, so, was the price too steep? Uh, probably, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I would think. I mean, obviously, nothing trans—nothing transpired between uh, June when the, the when Jim Rutherford was floating Phil Kessel's tr- uh, name in trade negotiations with the Wild and he, Jack Johnson was rumored then, he was rumored now more recently uh, with Darren Drager and Josh Yowie reporting that he was going to be traded. We didn't find out who the trade partners were then, Uh, but it all depends. Uh, I think it all goes back to Brian Rust's status. Once he comes off of long-term injured reserve, if trade talks will become open again because the Penguins once – Brian rust comes back off of long-term injured reserve. The penguins will still have a salary cap crunch. They really have no flexibility. uh, Once Brian rust comes back and uh, obviously, yeah, if they were going to put Jack Johnson, uh, if they were just going to waive him and put him in Wilkes-Barre, they would save that 1.075 million in cap. Obviously they didn't up to this point because he will be starting tonight in the lineup, but I'm still holding out hope as I'm sure many other Penguins fans are that Jack Johnson will be traded at some point in the season. Magnus Johansson tweets. When will Jack Johnson be traded?
1: Well, that kind of ties in, I guess with what we were talking earlier. I, I still think it's coming. Like I said, a couple of times, I don't think you keep nine healthy defensemen unless you've got something up your sleeve and you're really trying, trying to do something. And Jim Rutherford doesn't mess around. Um, we know he trades a lot of players and he's always looking to move this guy for that guy. So I think it's a matter of time for Jack Johnson and a matter of just who they can find to take him and what they're going to have to give up in order to do it. And so that will take care of Magnus. And our next question is from Steve Rogers. Steve asks, is it crazy to think that the Penguins could miss the playoffs this year?
0: It's always crazy to think that a team with Sidney Crosby and Guinea Malkin wouldn't make the playoffs. And I guess it kind of goes back to our team predictions we were making uh, in the last segment. Provided everyone's healthy, this team has a like, a very, very, very solid chance to make the playoffs. If things go haywire, if guys are injured, even if guys aren't injured and they're just not playing you know up to par up, up to the standards that we've been accustomed to, you know if they're dropping games left and right, come come new Year. And you know they're out of a playoff spot come New Year. You know maybe then it it might be time to hit the panic button. But as long as you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, Matt Murray playing at a high level, and Chris Letang anchoring that defense, no, I I, I don't think there's any reason to panic at all or, or hit the panic button in regards to missing the playoffs. And uh, Jim, we can we can we'll combine to answer this last question from Danzer. He asks, who would win in a fight, a grizzly bear or a silverback gorilla?
1: I did some research on this. I'm, gl- I'm glad we took this question. Thanks for it. I went to Montana this summer, so I did a lot of research about the grizzly bear because I am terrified of them. And so that is my pick. A male grizzly bear can grow up to 600 pounds, and apparently a silverback gorilla is only about 300, 350, I say only. So the grizzly bear has them in size for sure. The grizzly bear can run 35 miles an hour. The fastest human alive, Usain Bolt, has only run 27 miles an hour. So the grizzly bear has speed. He has size. And I think once he clamps on you with with, those big, with that big jaw, it's over. Unless you can somehow train the gorilla to use bear spray or a 12-gauge shotgun, I believe it's the grizzly bear, and I don't think it's even that close. Your answer, Garrett.
0: Uh, well, you basically just upstaged me. I did not think that you would have done all this research and used your experience from Montana to to basically just just take this question for yourself. You got
1: to be aware out there. You got to keep <laughs> your head on a swivel. <laughs> like that's no joke.
0: I guess you know even in downtown Pittsburgh, I guess you have to be aware of your surroundings for an impending grizzly bear or silverback gorilla attack. So you know I, I'm just going to agree with you. You, you know you seem incredibly well versed in this subject between warfare between the grizzly bear and the silverback gorilla. So I, I'm just going to agree with you and, and say that the grizzly bear would win in a fight.
1: Well, once we got this question, it's pretty much all I've been thinking about ever since and doing research to, to make sure I am correct in my analysis. But I'm pretty sure in this instance, number one, you won't be anywhere close to this hypothetical fight and <laughs> number two, the bear would win. So we got to keep it fresh, keep you on your toes when you listen to the Pennsburg podcast. That's for sure.
0: That we do, Jimmy, that we do. And that will do it for this episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody who has listened. I'd like to thank everybody who has submitted questions to our mailbag through the first two weeks. Uh, We will, like I said last week, I'll say it again this week, we will constantly be asking for listener questions throughout the NHL season as the Penguins Kick everything into gear tonight for another shot at Lord Stanley's Cup against the Buffalo Sabres. We will be with you all season long with new episodes of the Pennsburg Podcast coming out on every Thursday. So keep your eye out on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, but Jim, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up this season opening edition of the Pennsburg Podcast?
1: I think you covered it all. Uh, everyone enjoyed the start of the season, and we'll be here next Thursday to break it down and analyze everything that's going on.
0: That we will. Well, for Jim Rixner, Hooks Orpik, I have been Garrett Bahan. thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pennsburg Podcast, and we will see you next week.